To stay on top in business, stay on top of your technology with the new Business Desk podcast, the business of tech. Listen on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to a podcast from Newstalk ZB. Follow this and our wide range of podcasts now on iHeartRadio. Newstalk ZB. Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Wednesday. First of yesterday's news, I am Glenn Hart. We are looking back at Tuesday. Um, got an interesting idea about uh, polling and early voting and... There's a lot of people wanting to change the way we vote. And I think this probably happens after every election, certainly since we were DMP anyway. Uh, so we'll come to this shortly. Uh, it was Halloween yesterday, of course, so we had the usual bitching and moaning about that. Uh, but before any of that, uh, let's uh, go back to Soupy um, going out the back door and the whole idea of you know competition in the grocery sector and why it seems to be such a difficult thing to achieve. The focus of the Grocery Commissioner has to be fostering a properly competitive environment across the grocery sector, and an environment where he or she cannot be afraid of calling out any flicker, any scintilla of anti-competitive behaviour by the supermarket duopoly. And I get it. I get that it's complex. I get that there are land covenants and that there are Wholesale supply setups, there are all sorts of contractual bits and pieces, all manner of different advantageous rules, systems and get-ups which help the main two players. It's easy to be cynical about the effectiveness of our various government commissioners. When the grocery commissioner role was established, I think I, like many others, felt like in a sense it was a bit of a cop-out. We questioned how effective that person could actually be. But here's the thing, there is a huge weight, a massive, massive weight of public support behind the Grocery Commissioner's mission. Kiwis don't need any more Commerce Commission studies to tell us we are getting a crappy deal in aisle three. Pierre van Heerden can rest assured that in the eyes of the public, he cannot be too assertive. He cannot be too aggressive or too outspoken. But there's one measure one measure alone by which he and his role will be judged. And that measure is competition. Yeah, I mean, there are there are alternatives out there, aren't there? I mean, I go to Fruit World sometimes. Not as often as I used to, although I am going back there a bit more now. Uh, it, I, I don't know if you have Fruit World where you are. I think it might be mostly an Auckland-ish kind of a thing. But they obviously have, like, direct suppliers with certain types of produce. And and the reason I used to go there quite regularly is that you always knew that you would get certain things. You know when you couldn't get bananas anywhere? Fruit World seemed to have them. Uh, Things like grapes. You know, they always seem to just have grapes when the supermarkets don't have grapes. Yeah, so if that's what you can do, Try Fruit World. And you can get four uh, chocolate bars for $5. Is that a good deal? I don't know. It's a tempting deal anyway. News Talk Z-Bean. I wonder where Tim shops and whether he'll tell us in this next con- comment. My suggestion, I think it's going to need to be something where the brand is instantly recognisable from overseas with credibility 
that it brings as well from having been a successful player in a much larger market. It needs to instantly be something that can compete in the heavyweight division and not something that's going to rely on a mixture of investment, organic word of mouth, and being a, it can't be, look, it can't be a startup business. I just don't think that's ever going to work when it comes to taking on a duopoly. A startup business hoping to establish a presence over time, it's going to have to be something that is already massive. And um, yes, to put us out of our baked in duopoly misery. But perhaps the other side of it is that when we whinge about the absence of competition, as creatures of habit, maybe we really only have ourselves to blame. Yeah, I can't stop thinking about Fruit World, actually. Because I, I, I do, certainly for me, I'm more inclined to go to a place where I know I can get the things that I want. Well, then, how, exactly how much they are. Uh, I'm not driving around from place to place comparing prices. And also, the other reason I like to go to Fruit World is you can just get in and out. No fuss. You're not queuing at a checkout. Like if there's more than two people in a queue, they open another checkout at Fruit World. Fantastic. This, this is turning it into an ad for Fruit World, and I don't think that's, that's what we're trying to do here. 90% of parenting is just thinking about when you can have a break. And when you do take a break, enjoy the Parenting Hangover podcast. They go together like a tutu and jandals. We've said from the get-go, we ain't parenting experts. No. But it's cool to hear, what is your neighbour doing? What do they say? A problem shared is a problem halved. Oh, that's good. Not that my children are problems, but I feel better talking about it. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. News Talk Z-Bean. What we're trying to do here is, is figure out why we're waiting three weeks for a, a result for an election that happened three weeks ago. Ideally, a party should be voted for by us based on their merits, their policies, etc. Yes. Okay, that, that, that's the ideal. Now, if you don't know their relative position vis-a-vis others, mm. you, therefore your vote is more likely to be on the merits of that party rather than its percentage it holds and it's likely to be wasted. So there's, there's a very strong philosophical reason why these polls should be banned not two weeks before. Mm, what? No, waste the time. They should be banned a significant period before, I would say a minimum of three months actually. Oh, no, that, you're too hard on that. But look, I obviously you're agreeing with me. Um, you've heard my arguments and agree with it, and that's great. Thank you for understanding. But uh, no, I think well, three months really, is too he? Said, <laughs> he is. Are you agreeing with JD, Rex? No, because he's not agreeing with me because he's uh, too much of a pussy to really just only have it, I don't know, a couple of weeks before something. That's totally ineffectual. <laughs> okay, all right. All right. But, so, um, yeah, basically that, that caller's idea was to ban polling once early voting starts, I think. Uh, obviously we should go further and ban polling altogether. Um, we should ban polling. We should ban weather forecasts. We should ban economic forecasts. Basically, all the things that are completely meaningless, and in, you know, and none of these people are ever held accountable for being completely wrong. They should all be banned. News Talk Zepin. Now, what shouldn't be banned is uh, Halloween and trick or treating. Even though some people every year just want to complain about it every single year. And it's not going anywhere, and yet they keep complaining about it. So there was a small window where we could decorate the letterbox and the fence and do the costumes and have their mates over, but it never felt authentically like a tradition we could get behind. It just felt 
super cheesy and American and over the top, not to mention unhealthy. Lollies from strangers, all that sugar, seem wrong on so many levels. Once they get older, I mean like teenager stage, they wanted to go out on their own. You know, their costumes got increasingly questionable. Their motives seemed less sweet treats and more just hanging out with mates. I've just never thought teenagers patrolling the streets with scream masks on Threatening to throw eggs at people's houses is a particularly good look. Still don't. But I'm surprised at how much it's caught on here and how big it seems these days in this country. People go all out. The parties are plentiful. The dress-ups are extravagant. The night seems to last a lot longer than one night. Many houses are already decorated. I see skeletons dangling from trees in people's front yards, cobwebs adorning letterboxes and gates, and treats have been in supermarket aisles for a while now. No, we're not quite you know, at America levels of Halloween obsession. But in some places, it does feel intense. I don't mind the groups of toddlers out walking with mum or dad in an organised fashion, you know, early and causing no harm. But I do feel for those who live alone or are sick or don't want to be bothered and have to contend with the noisy teenagers late at night banging on their doors for something they surely should have grown out of by now. In fact, in the US... Did you know there's debate at the moment in the US as to whether trick-or-treating should actually have an age limit? And in some cities, it is limited to 12 years old or younger only, due to too many teenagers wreaking havoc. But no sooner do we have Halloween, of course, than Guy Fawkes is here. A mere five days later, we've got crackers and cherry bombs to deal with. That's a tough night for the animals, I think, more than the humans. Uh, But if we can get past monster costumes, lollies and fireworks season... Next stop is Christmas. 20 days after Guy Fawkes will be welcoming Santa. Can you believe it? Where has the year gone? Oh, so Santa's okay, but teenager in a screen mask isn't. I'm quite sure what my point is there. My trick-or-treaters last night were all very polite. Um, and in fact, most of them I had to encourage to take more lollies. They'd just take one... I got a big bag of Macintosh's toffee. I actually got a bit of grief for the Macintosh's toffees in my house when I turned out that that, that was going to be this year's Halloween lolly supply. People made fun of me. They said, who wants some Macintosh's toffees for Halloween lollies? Well, you, you, you want something that's wrapped these days, don't you? Apparently you can't just put a party mix and have people fossicking through the party mix with their grubby mitts. That's not... So that, that's... But Macintosh's toffees are alright, aren't they? I know it's a bit old school, but... News Talk, Z-Bean. Anyway, uh, how did Marcus's Halloween pan out? Oh, I guess he was here, really, while the worst of it was going on. Or the best of it, depending on which way you look at it. For me, what I get triggered by is the sheer amount of future landfill. Endless plastic junk. Dracula teeth... Trident spears, all that stuff that'll be in the landfill in two weeks. For me, it's that aspect I'm not nuts on. I've never loved fancy dress. I do my own sort of fancy dress every day sometimes, but that's just me. My kids weren't that into it. But what happens in Bluff, there's a Facebook page and you put your houses on if you want to have people to come round here. Well, that should stand as a warning. Uh, we weren't one of those houses, although someone did come knocking. 
So not content to get rid of the letterbox, I might be getting rid of the front door. But anyway, so that's the situation. So yeah, so look, my kids are eight and nine and they weren't that into it. I did give them a Halloween quiz and they thought that was quite interesting. But then I made them the mistake of telling them, right? Here's this. I made the mistake of telling them that, because they've never seen a scary movie, because it would freak them out. <laughs> so I gave them a Halloween quiz, because I always give them a quiz, I put them to bed. We're a quiz family. Um, anyway, what do you call a group of witches? What's a male witch called? Anyway. But then I told them about the movie Friday the 13th, right? And how there was that kid that kept coming out of the lake that had drowned and wore the hockey mask. And then, from my research for their quiz, I found it. How good's this? There is, because his name was Jason Voorhees. He was the guy from Friday the 13th. And he was terrifying. But what is even more terrifying, right? There is a statue of Jason Voorhees at the bottom of a lake in Minnesota. The most terrifying thing about all that is that Marcus subjects his kids to quizzes every night before they go to sleep. That sounds even worse than looking at blue light from a screen immediately before trying to go to sleep, if you ask me. I don't want to have questions rolling around in my head. The feeling of failure because you've got the answers wrong. What kind of a way is that to go to sleep? Holy moly. Um, I'm, I'm, I force my kids to watch um, scary movies from a young age to build up their immunity. Different ways of parenting, aren't there? Uh, I'm Glenn. Uh, that's been News Talks at Bean for Wednesday. We'll be back with another edition tomorrow. This is not a quiz. It should be a lot more fun than a quiz. For more from Newstalk ZB, listen live, on air, or online, and keep our shows with you wherever you go with our podcasts on iHeartRadio. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.